Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to the first of our month-long holiday spectacular. This year we're kicking off the season with a massive film, one both obscure and forgotten by most of the world, but also notorious and infamous, hated by its creator, loathed and loved by millions everywhere, but for all the wrong reasons, the Star Wars Holiday Special. I've known of the existence of this film for years, it's been whispered about in all the nerdiest corners of the internet, which I've frequented ever since I started watching Star Wars, I like... 14 or 15 or whenever I first saw the main series, but I didn't realize there was any way that I could actually see this hilarious tragedy for myself until now. Thanks to my good friend Nikki from Trivia Theater, now you too will be subjected to all the beautiful chaos this cherished holiday feature has to offer. B. Arthur as a singing barmaid on Tatooine, Harvey Corman as a four-armed Julia Child-esque alien, and a grandma-style hairdryer that plays not-grandma-friendly videos for a creepy, toothless grandpa. Seriously, this movie, despite the baffling mess it turned out to be, was so much fun to talk about. And once you finish this episode, stick around, because there's another bonus episode coming, where Nikki and I spent almost 20 minutes reading hilarious reviews of this beautiful masterpiece, and go off on several completely irrelevant, but also hilarious tangents. Not that we didn't do that within the episode itself. This movie just so easily lends itself to tangents. But if you want more hilarious conversation, make sure you come back for the bonus episode. Anyway, that's all for now. Let's kick off this Life Day season in the best way possible, and talk all about George Lucas's incomprehensible, I mean incomparable masterpiece, the Star Wars Holiday Special. The trivia on this is pretty fun too, so once we get to that point. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, hopefully you've got some good trivia, otherwise it'll just be me being baffled by so much of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is pretty much the general state of being when you're talking about this particular movie. I mean, I don't know. There's no way to describe this. They're really like, I don't know the thought process behind it, like the people and the thought processes, but it's just like, it's so strange. <laughs> <laughs> and George Lucas has some pretty funny takes too. So, so I remember reading some of this some things about it a long time ago how much was he involved in this to my knowledge it wasn't like over like well it's george lucas so he's gonna have a, a fair amount over it but actually let me look that up because i am actually not 100 percent sure well the reason i'm asking is because if he's so against anyone ever watching this again how did he let it get to the point where he hated it that much if he's making it it was the 70s <laughs> let me just look it up here quick because i honestly like for some reason i don't think he had a ton of input on this i feel like i read at some point that he had given not like given away all power to somebody but like he left it in someone's hands and by the time he like figured out that it was a train wreck it was too late to fix because it had to air yeah, exactly. So according to this, I mean, it would have been under like TV show production. 
someone would have had to book all the acts and kind of coordinate all that. Um, so it's a George Lucas himself was not really involved with production, but did attend some production meetings and encourage the creatives on the special to include the character of Boba Fett in the cartoon segment. Okay. For whatever that's worth. So he had input. He probably was like, hey, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, be part of this. It'd be great. (laughs) Just from looking at them while they're acting, did you think that they looked like they were having a good time? I will put it to you this way. Harrison Ford, after the first one, the first Star Wars movie, wanted to be like killed off. Like that was, that's, that was, I think that's pretty well known. Yeah. Mark Hamill was coming off of a really severe surgery. Okay, his face was heavily made up because he was re- he was recovering from reconstructive surgery because he had a car accident not that long before that. So okay. you look at his face in A New Hope, and then you see his face in Empire Strikes Back. He's got a pretty severe scar down the side of his cheek. Mm-hmm. Like his face is very different. Yeah, um, I think we because- talked about some of this when we talked about empire but i didn't realize that that almost coincided with the holiday special well i think it was the holiday special happened before all this or the sorry after after his accident yeah yeah. but yeah they they went hardcore on the makeup probably a little bit much and with carrie fisher i've heard people joke because like uh like those uh like the 70s retrospectives you had a bunch of people talking about it and they were like well that was in the middle of carrie fisher's like um cocaine stage now how much truth there is to that i really don't know but yeah she was very zen i was gonna say she looked like she was the only one who was like maybe actually having a good time and not being forced to be there right and i'm honestly not sure about her state of mind but i think there was definitely she was either like okay just grin and bear it or there was other substances involved i mean and you look at like anthony daniel's he always shows up and does the Star Wars thing because he's a good sport. Mm-hmm. Or it seems like he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't sure w- with Luke. He was, like, I, w- I didn't have too much thought about him. But Han, he just seemed so wooden. <laughs> yeah, he was very dead-eyed and destitute, wasn't he? <laughs> Especially in the scenes. It was, it was almost, like, so out of character when he's, like, showing so much love and affection for the Wookiees. It was like, <laughs> this does not feel like Han Solo. Chewie, you are my family. I love her. You mean more to me than anything. <laughs> and I think he called the baby Sweetie at one point. Uh, probably. Probably. Uh, yeah, the only person, the only human like that was actually on Kashyyyk, or Kashyyyk? Kashyyyk, that seemed like they were having a good time was Art Carney. <laughs> That was the shopkeeper. Yep, exactly. Okay. And actually, his name was Sal Dan, and apparently he was an early inspiration for Lando Calrissian. Huh. Okay. I suppose I could kind of see that with his mannerisms. Yeah, yeah, kind of the like the the attempted smooth guy. Yeah. Um, now the way I looked it up, the way this plays out was, um, A New Hope came out in on in May of '77, and then this came out in November, a week before Thanksgiving in '78, and then um, Empire Strikes Back came out in May of 1980. Okay. So if that gives you kind of perspective on when everything fell. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bruce Valanche actually wrote this. It looks like, and he. Um, He's known for a wide variety of interesting things. Um, 
So, I know the name. I'm trying to think of who he who he was. All right, so this is this is how it apparently went down. George Lucas came up with the idea of focusing on Chewie's family. Writer Bruce Valanche objected, saying the dialogue would all be in Wookiee, and I have thoughts on that, which we can get to in a bit. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> <laughs> he worried it would turn into one long episode of Lassie, but Lucas refused to change it. So initially, Lucas intended for the story of Chewie's family to appear somewhere in the Star Wars saga. How... <laughs> I'm sure the answer is none, but is there any of this that is now considered canon, or is this all just completely written off? Well, you have, like, the Star Wars, like, the Lego special, which pulls some of the stuff from this. Oh, I forgot about that. I was going to suggest we do that, too, and then I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I'm game for it if you are. We could do a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so it looks like Bruce Valange mainly did live TV. So he's a writer for like all kinds of Academy Awards episodes, um, Hollywood salutes, fashion awards. Uh, he wrote the Brady Bunch Variety Hour back in the 70s. And th- like you could go into a whole thing about those like 70s and 80s variety shows because they were a completely like they were a beast of their own type. Well, I'm familiar with did. like the Carol Burnett show because I used to watch that with like clips on youtube my cousins went through a phase where like every time i went over there we'd watch carol burnett show so i know the i know the format right so these were like the variety shows were were like one like for the most part one-offs like you had a sunny and share christmas special you had the star wars one there was the brady variety hour so they'd be in um they'd be playing their characters but then they'd be doing like musical numbers and dances and whatever else so if you go back to like the early 2000s, um, oh gosh, Jessica Simpson and Nick, her husband at that point, like they tried to bring back the variety show. So it's just like, I guess, laid back uh, musical acts and 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 uh, magic acts and just, you know, mm-hmm. someone able to juggle and, you know, kind of a... Like the Muppet show. <laughs> yeah, to some extent, <laughs> only not quite as cool. <laughs> and this was Star Wars's take on it. <laughs> yeah, it... Totally, those two things do not seem like they would go together, and they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. I mean, props to them for, like, the expansive, like, they tried to be expansive with it. You know, they covered Kashyyyk. They covered, um, you know, where Luke was. They they covered Tatooine. They covered a lot of areas. And, you know, they, they tried to think outside the box. It's just, it went strange. It really, truly... I, I don't I don't know how to do it or I don't know how to how it how to explain it. It's one of those things where you barely can explain it. You just have to have somebody watch it so they understand what a hodgepodge of weird conflicting ideas. <laughs> well, and even the very simple point of who you know there's always that thing about who was this made for. Yeah. Who was it? Like, I'm assuming little kids, because I can't imagine that regular Star Wars fans would genuinely like this. Well, you have to think back, too. At that point, the only movie, even though it was a rousing success, the only Star Wars movie there was was A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just Star Wars. So you're talking about something done a year and a half after the initial movie came out, and maybe that was common back then. But... You're taking these these characters that, oh, yeah, I remember seeing, you know, Luke in the theater. Oh, yeah, I can remember Leia or whatever. But, I mean, that was your only connection to this. Mm-hmm. All this other stuff, like, 
there's the walking carpet has relatives what (laughs) (laughs) i mean on paper a lot of this seems like it'd be a good idea but in execution it did not work very well no and and you can in retrospect you can probably look at it and be like "Eh, you know what they tried but yeah just the combination of and regarded b arthur and harvey corman were much younger but if you're talking kids or you know family entertainment b arthur well maybe so i guess i'm trying to think what she would have been in at that time like harvey corman would have probably been in like you would have been in blazing yeah carol burnett show blazing saddles um b arthur would have been maybe mod at that point or maybe that was after i suppose she was known and art like the jokes don't sit for kids per se like not, not really. even cartoon no. is really all that kitty <laughs> the cartoon the cartoon was so ugly <laughs> what? Yeah. who designed that's cons- that <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, the one thing about it is that's considered to be, like, the most watchable part of that movie. I know! Uh, This is so bizarre. There's so much bizarre stuff in here. The grandpa, like, uh, Itchy, I I just... He's like nightmare fuel. Oh, he is! And and his whole, like, you know, when he's got, like, the hairdryer thing over his head, like, the hologram thing? It, It was like some sort of meditation ASMR thing. But, like on psychotropics <laughs> well, actually back then uh let's see here where is it according to one of the producers the sequence with um her name was diane carroll was intended to be softcore that would pass the censors i i it seemed it seemed like she was leaning a little into being seductive but yes. it was so bizarre that i don't know how anyone would like i mean the grandpa was into it so who knows whatever he was was very into it i i still like and i guess you have to take it for what it is but like and maybe just the 70s was a was a different beast but why would you put that as part of it like even jefferson airship Uh, yeah like that yeah (laughs) i don't know i never thought that they were that mainstream i mean obviously they were mainstream to some extent but mainstream to kids like I could see teens and adults, but kids? I don't know. Maybe like, why they wouldn't were... you go Sonny and Cher or someone that's Maybe they were going for an all ages thing with all these different people and then they just failed. Yeah. It was something where it felt like about half of it could have been cut and nothing would have been lost. I, I yeah, I could have cut a lot more than half. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be generous. You know, it's the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> Some of it could have been helped by significant rewrites. Because mm-hmm. there are some good ideas here. Oh, yeah, definitely so. But, like I said, execution was not good. <laughs> no, not even remotely. And just the, like the whole, and I guess once we get into it, talking about it, we can talk about it more. But just the decisions that were made, even just with the Wookiees, like when they weren't talking with humans, that there was that lack, that disconnect of, okay, you're trying, you know, this this poor actor in a giant Wookiee costume is probably sweating their poor head off, is sitting there trying <laughs> to say, you know, trying to, you know, mime. Uh, trying to show or... some sort of emotion. Yeah. <laughs> Although they were, they emoted better than Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true, actually. <laughs> oh god, I, it is interesting to see like how this kind of like 
you saw like some of the things in this that that were later brought into star wars like you know this was the first appearance of boba fett yeah you know it was um a lot of the footage that was used for the um for the cantina scene on tatooine was um stuff that was deleted scenes from the original movie oh okay i i thought it looked like they brought in a ton of costumes like they brought a ton of costumes back i was like they really mined the archives for that but apparently just mostly footage i guess it was kind of a combination so the stuff outside the actual cantina was stuff that was shot for the movie but not used the stuff inside the cantina was all shot specifically for the special okay so they did dig out a bunch of costumes then because a lot of them were costumes that were there in the original film they very much did Yep, exactly. And Although there was one bring... that was like a giant cute mouse. I was like, what is that? I've never seen that in Star Wars before. <laughs> Let me look it up real quick, because I do remember running across that. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, the large rat white, or the, the large white rat puppet in the cantina scene was made for the Food of Gods in 1976. It's referred to as the Rin or the Tin Tin Dwarf of the Star Wars universe. Okay. Okay, so it was a Burt I. Gordon movie based on a novel by H.G. Wells. And for some reason, they pulled it into the Star Wars special. Did you say an H.G. Wells? It was an H.G. Wells novel, and it was a Burt I. Gordon movie. So it was like really low budget um, kind of B-movie. A group of huh. friends travel to a remote Canadian island to hunt only to be attacked by a giant by giant killer animals that have populated the place. Interesting. Yes. So they pulled this giant mouse or rat puppet and brought it into the cantina scene. And it's called the food of the gods? Yes. I'm making a note of that. From 1976. I kind of want to see this. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting point, though, they did actually with um, all the like, you know, you talked about the costumes um, and masks being, you know, from the original. They actually are all from the original. They just repainted them. So they pulled them out of storage, um, touched them up and then used them for this. Okay. The only problem was it was really hot and no one could breathe. And so they actually had to be on oxygen in between takes. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we could probably start at the beginning of this thing and go through it, because every scene <laughs> has things we'll probably want to talk about. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't doubt that at all. I imagine you have pages upon pages of notes. I just took them on my phone, and I'm scrolling for quite a while. I don't know how many pages it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call it several and call it Yes. I thought it was kind of funny that it started out... And and maybe this is obviously not from the special itself, but I'm sure it's on like most of the copies with a disclaimer that says the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I scrolled down to the comments and there, there are tons of like at the end of this thing, I want to read some comments, but there was a bunch of comments that were like the last thing you hear before disaster. <laughs> 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 there was actually um that there was some countdown of like the worst tv um where is it oh here we go listed in the book what were they thinking the hundred dumbest dumbest events in television history at the number one spot um is the star wars holiday special the worst two hours of television dot 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 ever 
<laughs> I would say they're exaggerating, but I'm trying to think of something worse right off the top of my head and nothing's coming, so... <laughs> Well, if it tells you anything, there was a planned uh, set of action figures based off of the the special, and I mean, uh, of course, got... oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they never uh, it never happened because they canceled it because of how bad the thing was. <laughs> I want to be Arthur Barmaid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she was pretty awesome. That and Harvey Corman as the guy with the lava head. <laughs> Or the uh, volcano head. <laughs> That's what I called him in my notes. Was volcano head. <laughs> appropriate. Very, very appropriate. Oh, and just the response. Uh, Harrison Ford doesn't remember appearing in this, but, you know. Uh, Is this purposeful amnesia? Exactly. It's too traumatic to remember, so he just purposely forgot. Exactly. George Lucas tried to tried to buy back every single copy but uh, never had any luck doing that he also said that if he could he would track down every single copy and destroy it um i mean he'd have to go straight to youtube and destroy youtube because that's how we watch this oh 100 percent. well that was well, i mean it was like the bootleg tapes it, this is youtube is really just a modern day bootleg you know tape really <laughs> in yeah and for some things if the i'm i'm just surprised that nobody's like reported this thing for copyright. Right. <laughs> well, the thing is, if you report it for copyright, you have to claim ownership. And Lucas <laughs> I think there might have been ever... a comment saying something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it goes to show you that everything survives. Or so, and most things survive in some form. Not always fully, but uh, as much as possible. Well, this thing starts with a cold open, which is very out of character for Star Wars, with Han Solo and Chewbacca trying to get back to his family in time for Life Day, which is apparently the Star Wars universe equivalent of Christmas. Well, it's like, like it is, like, it is actually closer, because I, I saw a comment on that. It's actually closer to, like, the way it's celebrated, it's closer to Thanksgiving in how it's celebrated. Oh, okay. okay. But, I mean, grand scheme... For more of the world, it'd be considered closer to Christmas. Yeah. But it's just that I'm thankful for this, that, the other thing. So. Mm -hmm. Well, then after, like, some sort of kerfuffle with the Empire, there's... <laughs> Good way to put it. The opening credits, and they have, like, a narrator talking about <laughs> introducing Chewbacca's family. <laughs> It doesn't, like, say on the screen what their names are. It's just, like, voiceover. And I didn't know what the the mom's name was, so I wrote down Nala. But I think people later were saying Mala yep, with an it's, M. Yep, it's Mala. It's Mal Malakabak, I think, is her, like, full name. Like, Chewbacca is the longer form of Chewy. Um, uh -huh. Lumperoo is Lumpy, and then I don't remember what Ichi, or Ichi was. Lumperoo. I really don't even remember. <laughs> Imagine, hey, <laughs> hey, I mean, Mala is the only one with any kind of dignified name. Yeah. I mean, I guess Itchy sort of works because I feel Itchy looking at his creepy face. Yeah. Well, yeah, the whole like where his mouth comes up, like it's almost uh, like a uh, like a hook or something. Not a hook, but a, like a bottom part of a beak. <laughs> he has some sort of a severe underbite mixed with no teeth yeah. which 
combined is pretty creepy in a giant monkey person. Yes. But none, even though he's like the worst looking one, but none of them look that attractive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the baby is, I mean, it's like, is he supposed to be cute? Cause he's not cute. I, I'm assuming he's supposed to be cute, but we're talking seventies cute here. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they had different standards in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, I guess something like that. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it says the vocalizations of um, Mala and Itchy are from bears and lions at the uh, Olympic Game Farm in Washington. Lumpy's vocalizations are of a baby bear. Oh, okay. I can hear that. Yeah. Well, at one point I was like, are they mixing the sounds of the tauntauns with something else? But yeah, baby bear makes sense. But he did sound like a tauntaun at the beginning, I thought. Oh yeah, well, and and I'm sure the tauntauns were probably reused. Um, like, oh yeah, I'm sure they that, they, that they probably figured things like that. So yeah. Well, then after you see his family in the credits, it says with special guest stars: Beatrice Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, the Jefferson Starship, and Harvey Corman. <laughs> Which is like a who's who of 70 stars, apparently. Yeah, I would say so. Not necessarily ones that would be, I mean, I, I could see uh, Harvey Corman being pretty family friendly. I don't, I don't know about B. Arthur. The only, I know she was in Maud and she was in Golden Girls, but beyond that, I can't tell you what she was in. Yeah, I don't, I knew her, the name from Golden Girls. I, I guess I've heard the name Maud. I don't know what it is, mm-hmm. but I, it, it's a, I don't just know a movie much. or. It was a TV show from the, I thought the 70s or 80s, like late 70s, Probably. early 80s. Yeah, but beyond that, I don't know what else she's in because I'm not up on my 70s stars. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the only one I was really familiar with was Harvey Corman because I watched so much of the Carol Burnett show. Same. I grew up on it as well, so. Um, it says here the Stan, Stan Winston was hired to design the Wookiee family, and he's pretty well known for, like, um, character effects. Well, they did, the faces moved decently, even though they're ugly. <laughs> they they weren't, they weren't incompetently made. They weren't just big rubber masks. Right, right. They, they did have the, they didn't have the, the, the ability to emote as well as Chewie. No, I don't think so. That was my biggest problem with them beyond Nightmare Grandpa. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Lumpy! I feel bad for the guy playing him. Man, his he had some weird teeth going on. Like just the intensity of his stare was very weird. Yeah. <laughs> so after you're introduced to all the fabulous guest stars, <laughs> it shows where the Wookies live, and they live in tree houses, which we saw in the third Star Wars film. But this is just a matte painting instead of fully realized sets and. 3d worlds very much so and it's interesting because the in everything i've seen like by star wars canon the wookie home world is called kashik yeah i think it has three y's yep exactly and here it's called kazook i thought i heard them say something that was not kashik and i was like what but i didn't rewind to find out (laughs) (laughs) no worries (laughs) <laughs> it is interesting too because of, and i don't know about itchy but definitely mala and um and lumpy 
they weren't canon at first, but eventually they do become canon because like in, in the, I'm never, I can't get it. I, I know I'm going to screw this up. The, um, the original Star Wars books before Disney bought um, Star Wars, mm-hmm. like those books uh, feature quite a lot of, of Lumpy and, and Mala when okay. Chewie goes back to visit his family and such. So I guess okay. it's expanded universe maybe. Okay. Or, yeah. or, or um, legends or something like, I don't know. Legends what... is what they call them now. Yeah. Okay. So, so they appear there. So they are canon. They do expand them out eventually in the books in the nineties and two thousands. So. Okay. I wonder if they'll recanonize them in the new continuity at some point. <laughs> I'm not sure. I guess I haven't read any of the new books to be able to tell you one way or the other. I mean, I they should just they're... make a new movie. They're making so many movies. They got to <laughs> give us that baby Lumpy's first adventure movie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they do actually go into the, there's, I think there's either a short story or something um, that does talk about uh, Lumpy's becoming a man. Like, so they go through like a rite of passage. They have to like go and hunt down a thing and then you have to like do all these um, tasks and then you complete the tasks and then you're officially a man okay. amongst the Wookiees. Hmm. Okay. Again, that's another thing. That's a that's a whole other thing entirely. <laughs> <laughs> There's this whole thing at the beginning with the babies running around and the grandpa is roaring at him and I think the mom, I thought she wanted to give him a bath but I think she was trying to get him to help with chores yeah, I think you're right. And at one point, he's like climbing on the railing outside, and I thought he was going to plunge to his death. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing about um, the trees of Kashyyyk, they are like, um, uh, what are they called? Like the General Sherman, the, the tallest tree on earth, okay. would be like a small tree there. Oh, like their okay. trees go up miles. Well, that stormtrooper at the end definitely died. Then, <laughs> yeah, he became he became a white uh, smudge on the planet. <laughs> then we get into one of the main problems of this whole thing: the mom There's and grandpa. One? <laughs> uh, one of the this is like the the first big problem. The mom and grandpa are having this long conversation, presumably about Chewbacca, but you don't understand any of it. Nope. <laughs> It's like flailing arm gestures only get you so far. Yeah, I'm like, who thought this was a good idea? I th- in co- as a concept, I like the idea of having a window into an alien life that you can't understand. But it went on for a long time, and this is supposed to be a show that the whole family can enjoy, yeah. not some sort of sci-fi concept piece. <laughs> yeah, there weren't any sub. There was no subtitles. There was no. Like, you could sort of grasp a little bit about what they were talking about. Like you say, mm-hmm. it was probably talking about Chewie, but beyond that, no. Yeah. The thing that killed me was how, <laughs> like, everything else is in English. Like, when they have a big, um, like, message window yeah. thing, like, a basically a video telephone, yeah. and everything on that comes in in English. In the Star Wars universe, I believe that's called BASIC. <laughs> Ah, true. That's very true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> talks in English. <laughs> Although in in China, if they if somebody watched the Star Wars in China, everything's probably in China. So is Chinese then basic? Maybe we all have. If you've ever seen um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, the Babel fish. Yep, exactly. Everybody's got a Babel fish. <laughs> okay. We'll just we'll just we'll just claim that. We'll just say okay, route of least resistance. 
Babelfish. <laughs> At some point, the kid runs back inside. He's making all these weird noises. And I thought they were going to play, I don't, what is it, Dejeric, the hollow chess game? Because that's what this thing looks like. There's this big board in the room. But then he turns it on, and instead of those monsters that fight, there's all these weird little acrobats jumping around with this strange synth music. And one of them, like, sort of jumps out of the game. If it's a game. I don't know if it's a game. It's, like, giant in the room, but still a hologram. (laughs) And, like, for most of us, it's just these tiny acrobats with this giant baby (laughs) watching them. See, now I kind of thought that the Dejaric uh, board was more of like a, like a, just an entertainment thing. Like you plug in different things. And it I mean, does it, different I suppose things. it could be. I just, for some no, reason, I, I thought it was just one game. But I guess if you're going to have a piece of furniture, it might as well be multi-purpose. <laughs> Unless you really, really like Dejaric. I mean, there are people that have just, you know, chess sets set up all the time. So, you know. Yeah, well, my grandparents had a table that had that the top was a chessboard and it just sat in the room all the time and i mean the only thing anybody ever did was play chess but most of the time it was just a table (laughs) multi-purpose good stuff yes it's chess and a table (laughs) yes the chess table or a table chess two purposes is (laughs) multi-purpose no doubt all you need (laughs) i suppose you could have played checkers too then that has three purposes there you go I like it. And at some point after this acrobat show, the mom is wanting the baby to come over there, I think, to help with dishes. And I think the baby is whining. And it was like the most annoying whining noise ever. (laughs) Did it sound like a baby bear? (laughs) Now that you have said that, it does. But it just went on way too long. Yeah, it did. But you know, that is one thing, and I don't know about the the holiday special so much being it was done for tv but like the the one thing about star wars the early ones it was so revolutionary in how it mixed sounds to get so many unique unique freight you know unique sounds and i know we talked about this with empire but Mm -hmm. and at some point in here i'm not sure what exactly she's maybe she's looking for han and chewie but it look i think she called traffic control because that's what came up on the screen. It said traffic control. And it says there's no starships in the area. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's very strange that this planet has traffic control. Well, being just to they, look they for were, a certain ship. I, I think that they were, since they were inhabited, not inhabited, but um, uh, they were ruled by the Empire. I think that it was probably a case of, um, like, you had, like, the main ports. And according to official channels... There was no one coming in because she then go checks, you know, with the secret radio to, you know, rebel command. Yeah. To she calls Luke. Luke. Yeah. So I'm sure she was checking official channels and then, you know, cause I'm sure to try and call, you know, illegally probably was yeah. quite, you know, dangerous. Yeah. When she called Luke, I was, I thought to myself, we're like over 10 minutes in. And this is the first <laughs> human language that we've heard. <laughs> Besides the announcer at the beginning. That's true. (laughs) And he was very peppy. In story, human language. Yeah, okay. Fair. (laughs) 
So Luke tells them that Han and Chewie left a long time ago. They should be there by now, but he says they shouldn't worry. And <laughs> then he tells Mala that she needs to smile. And she very creepily complies. <laughs> Her smile is really creepy. Yes, and the, the music that goes with it is so sweet. And then she's just like... <laughs> One other thing on the, uh, the, the big video phone or whatever you want to call it. The amount of noises. I feel like they tried out a whole bunch of different noises to see what was going to work best. And they just kind of decided on all the noises. That thing sounded like an arcade in overdrive. <laughs> all of the machines that they used had the worst noises. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay, use discretion. Think Star Wars. They never used more than what was needed for at least sound design. Yeah. I don't think the same people worked on this. I'm pretty sure not. <laughs> they were out doing stuff for the next movie. So sometime after that, phone call she turns on a different machine which i guess is also a phone but i thought it was a tv and it says something like wookie planet c trading post and then i was like why is it planet c but maybe if you thought that they said because what did you think they said uh they said kazook so did that start with a c no, it started with a K, like Kashyyyk. Oh, well, then why did they call it Planet C? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just like a fancy name, like, I don't even know, like uh, Outpost 7 or something like that. Like it was... Maybe. I'm not sure. Otherwise, it could have been like something to do with Art Carney's name. It could have been, because he's the one who's here. Yep. He's the shopkeeper, and he's trying to sell some things to an Imperial Guard. He has this pocket-sized aquarium and he's acting like it's the coolest thing ever and the P imperial guard says he hates fish so he says he does too <laughs> he's like i just wanted to show you some of the stupid things the wookies buy <laughs> and i think that could be part of his and i i don't i'm not terribly familiar with art carney like the kind of humor he did or the kind of comedy but that could have been like some of his you know some of his shtick it felt like something that wasn't part of this like, it felt like it was probably him, so I'm wondering how much of this he was ad-libbing. That's highly possible. So, apparently, I don't know how much of this she's actually watching, because I thought she was watching this as a show. But then she's interacting with this guy, and apparently it's some kind of a phone. And she'd called him about a carpet, apparently. And he says that the carpet was made by a little old lady four planets away. <laughs> and he, and that whole thing is actually code so he was trying to say because the imperial guard was in the background the walking car the, the shaggy carpet was a reference to chewy oh okay okay that makes more sense because he he says that it was made by hand solo yep exactly <laughs> i that was, was like him this is the dumbest joke ever <laughs> <laughs> no he was trying to be like he was a. Uh, not a not a infiltrator but like a he was he was trying to trying he to was keep part it on of the, the rebel, rebel alliance yeah so he was trying to be like an in-between to let her know in as subtle a way as possible that they were on their way and not to worry that makes a lot more sense than what i was thinking <laughs> i was confused no worries <laughs> happens to the best of us believe me and this special is so 
it is hard to tell the difference between kind of weird humor and like actual semi-smart dialogue. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Then we get to Darth Vader's ship. And now that I'm seeing that in my notes, I'm thinking, was that the only time we saw Darth Vader in this whole thing? Yep, was he and just it was like all... a three-second cameo? I'm pretty sure so, and I'm pretty sure that that footage, along with everything that was set in space with like the Falcon and um, the Star Destroyers and everything, was from the movie. Okay, that makes sense. And I'm guessing they just kind of like um, ADR'd, like, because at, yeah. at that point he's talking to um, just another uh, general or whatever. So. Yeah, he's saying something like that they need to search every household in the system. Yep, exactly. And actually, this is the first um, time, um, the first, uh, the holiday special was the first time James Earl Jones was credited with with, with performing the voice of Darth Vader. Mm. So and he, the didn't, next one. he didn't get any credit in the original film? That's what it sounds like here, but I have a hard time believing that. Let me go back here quick. Well, I've never, I guess I've never seen the original, original, maybe in the original, original Star Wars, he didn't get a credit, but he's got to have been edited into the credits at this point. I would hope so. Oh yeah. Voice unaccredited. Huh. Which I suppose at that point he wasn't, I mean, he had been acting for quite a long time, 20, 25 years since 1952. Yeah. yeah 25 a years. More recognition. You'd think so, but wonder how many other people were unaccredited. Obviously the likes of Al Guinness weren't, but yeah, that's weird. Huh. Well, you learn something new every day, right? <laughs> yeah. Richard Harrison Ford was Harrison Ford was credited. I'm sure he would have raised a fit if he wasn't. Yeah. Wow, there were a lot of people that weren't. Um, the guy that played Doctor Evazan, um, a bunch of Jawas, Darth Vader. <laughs> I suppose if you weren't on camera much, like if you just had one or two lines. Maybe so. Yeah. And being that. He didn't actually, he was the voice and nothing else. Yeah. Because it seems like a lot of voice people, at least according to IMDb, weren't credited. So that's probably what it was. That used to happen a lot more. Like, yeah. one of the worst things about the Snow White, the original Disney film, is that nobody was credited. Like oh. the voice actors, specifically Snow White, because Walt didn't want people to, he wanted to preserve the illusion that Snow White was a real person and saying that the voice was provided by someone else might break that illusion. Wow. Which is a really terrible excuse, especially because yes, she was like almost prevented from doing much anything else afterwards. Right. Which so it was so annoying. Like, I, would say. I mean, I love Walt Disney, but he did a lot of things that I absolutely do not agree with. And that's one of yeah. his worst ones, in my opinion. Yeah, no, but that, she that's... she she didn't mind, which I guess is nice. She she talked about him so nice years later when she's an old lady. So, wow. I, I guess more gracious <laughs> than a lot of people. Then, yeah, really, more than I'd be. <laughs> if it were me, I would think I would have held a grudge. But she yeah. she loved him anyway. So yeah, well, it was a different time too. I yeah, suppose. that's true. But interesting side note. I like it. <laughs> Learning something new. Look, I've learned so much stuff tonight. This is awesome. <laughs> we we always go on interesting side notes. We really do. I'm 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 proud of that with us. <laughs> oh, the places we go. 
so some at some point the baby finishes washing the dishes and I never called him lumpy at all in my notes. I called him the baby. He's just the baby in my head. The baby, the He's grandpa, and the baby. mom. <laughs> so it's not the creepy grandpa? I just said the grandpa. But yes, he's a very creepy grandpa. Well, and here's the question. Is he Mala's dad or Chewie's dad? Chewie's. It's, it's oh, specifically it's... said that. Oh, okay. I missed that. And at some point, Han calls set, is talking to him and references his son ah okay okay that makes sense <laughs> so when the baby's gone the mom goes back into the kitchen and turns on the tv and i think she's watching some kind of instructional cooking program and trying yep. to follow it it's like julia child's on crack i was gonna say is this is it supposed to be a julia child parody because they did a terrible job of making it seem like julia child especially <laughs> when it's harvey corman he could have really played this up and done a great Julia Child impression. Well, I don't think it was like specifically Julia Child, but I'm assuming just knowing the cooking shows of that era, I'm thinking yeah. that they probably pulled it from that generally. Like just probably. kind of, okay, we need a cooking show because, you know, cooking show. Which I will add, there are so many like entertainment devices in that house. I, I put that in my notes specifically. I said, they have so many screens. And then I started thinking, yeah, I guess humans today, though. <laughs> so do we. True. Very true. Because <laughs> I've got, I use myself two laptops. I have a Kindle and a phone. We've got the TV and we've got numerous devices around the house that we don't use anymore, but we still have them. <laughs> so we're no better than the Wookiees. Well, it show, goes to show you that, you know, Star Wars was a little bit forward thinking when it comes to life. The only thing we're missing is not living in tree houses. <laughs> Why couldn't like we have that? Bears. I want I want to live in a tree house. <laughs> don't when I was bears. a kid, like my two biggest wishes for housing was an elaborate tree house like in swiss family robinson or an underground house apparently like the hobbits but i hadn't read lord of the rings at that point i just wanted uh, an underground house that had a glass sunroof that oh, i could that look up cool. that would be awesome <laughs> so she's watching this instructional cooking show with this weird space woman played by harvey corman Yes. <laughs> and throughout the show, whole thing. she oh grows God. more limbs. Yep. I mean, she, I guess she was hiding them behind her for some reason, which is very strange that she would hide them and then reveal them. Well, like, she pulled them out as needed. I mean, if you don't need four arms out, why would you have four arms out? Maybe it's like Stitch in Lilo and Stitch. She could just suck them inside and <laughs> reveal them at will. <laughs> Well, considering the size of her garments, I would not be surprised. But, I mean, if you just have to stir, 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 whip, stir, stir, <laughs> you're not going to have a, you know, tasting hand and then a, uh, what is the, the third arm? It's It's got like a, like a mallet Beat? or I think beating. it was beating. Yeah. <laughs> the, all the instructions were just bizarre and nonsensical. Yes. And well, at one point she's eating the raw meat. Yes. Well, she she starts off by putting all the stuff in and she's like, mm, that's really good. And then she'd be like, one for the pot and one for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's raw meat. So yes. apparently this lady has a great digestive system. Well, you know, it, you know, four armed uh, alien digestive systems work differently than two armed Wookiees or two armed humans. <laughs> 
that whole part just <laughs> it, it 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 is i think it really is a good metaphor for what this this whole experience is <laughs> truly out of all of the like the little side variety show bits this just describes it it's like we don't know what's going on they're talking in words that sort of make sense but not really there's a there's a whisk that's brought out at one point and then another whisk and there's then a, a whole bunch, bunch of, of other reveals stuff. that don't make sense exactly <laughs> She Your hair becomes, gets all over the place. <laughs> she becomes more and more unhinged. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like it got more boring as it went along. Yeah, in, in some ways it did. Like the main story, like not so much the axe, but the main story just yeah. kind of like, oh, here's a thing. And yeah. Yeah. The main story was very uneventful, even though they tried to play up the drama. It didn't work. Yeah, they went to cliffhangers right before each, I'm guessing, commercial break. Yeah, that's probably what they were doing, because I noticed there was a few things that it felt like, why are they doing that? Like, the baby's almost getting caught watching some sort of rebel propaganda, and there's a mysterious knock at the door. I guess that probably was made just for commercial breaks. (laughs) You have to keep the kids on edge so they come back. At some point, like, Chewbacca and Han Solo are being chased, which, like, is triggering an alert, I think. And, like, the whole planet is now in a blockade, and nobody's allowed to take off or land. Except I think they're going to, like, land on the other side of the planet in order to get around that. But, like, are they just not monitoring the other side of the planet? Is the other side of the planet uninhabited? That didn't make a whole lot of sense, but whatever. I I think that Han Han and uh, Chewie are just... They're just really good at sneaking on and off planets. I think that's probably what they're going with. Okay. I'm assuming? Probably. <laughs> Small details, you know? Yes. It's more important that we know how many whip, whip, whipsters, whips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then somebody's knocking on the door. Everybody's terrified, but it's the shopkeeper with deliveries and presents for life day. And he wants kisses from everybody except the grandpa. He didn't get a kiss from grandpa. You know what? I am 100% okay with that. If you would have kissed the grandpa, based on the way the grandpa's face looks, that that would have been, you know, too much for TV. They would have had to cut it off right then and there. Nightmare fuel. And he gives... We don't know what the mom's present is. The, The baby gets some sort of a transmitter device that you find out about later. But... For now, we see the present that was for the grandpa, which is what we were talking about before, the virtual reality thing. And he tells him, it's hard to describe. It's just like, wow. (laughs) It's a bow chicka wow wow type of device. And it's like, I mean, some of some of like the visuals were kind of cool, but it went on for so long. It, it was did. so and boring. Yeah, it, like, she was a great singer. Like, her presentation was cool, her costume was cool. Yeah. But they just had to keep interjecting Itchy in there, and nobody <laughs> needs to see that. <laughs> yeah, like, I like the basic idea. Like, the psychedelic artistry was kind of cool. Yeah. But it just was way too long way too long and 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 yeah the creepy grandpa (laughs) that was that made it even worse (laughs) i just imagine her like having to do all those lines and she's like who am i who am i saying these lines to oh uh one of the wookies 
okay. It looks like a deformed <laughs> Bigfoot, and he's leering at you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact he's got basically a gigantic hairdryer down over his face. <laughs> yeah, it barely even covered his eyes, though. It just covered his forehead, mostly. <laughs> I'm glad that VR went in a different direction with that, though. <laughs> yeah. Sometime after this weird hairdryer, they get another call. This one's from Princess Leia and C-3PO. They're looking for Han or Chewbacca. They're not there, so Leia tells the shopkeeper to take care of the family. And I was thinking, does Leia know the shopkeeper? <laughs> like, I think because he's like rebel, like a like a rebel person. She knows she can trust him. Oh, that's him. true. Yeah, maybe they, maybe he is like a contact then. The one thing that got me, and I'm sure it's probably because the special went out to folks that would have seen Star Wars and those that wouldn't have, but she's so formal in how she asks for them. She's like, oh, is Han Solo or Chewbacca available? And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't expect you to call him Honey Bunny and, you know, Teddy Bear, but you could just call him Han or Chewie laser brain of the walking carpet is what she should have asked for <laughs> and that scruffy looking nerf herder <laughs> although i'm sure there probably would have been some little ladies clutching their pearls going oh what terrible slanderous things are they talking about now i, have the I, I think the pearl clutching on. old ladies would have turned it off at the weird hair dryer scene that <laughs> <laughs> they would have been like oh i should need to get one of those hair dryers in my home <laughs> At this point, after the phone call, this, a bunch of stormtroopers arrive. They're searching the house, and the shopkeeper tells them that Chewbacca isn't there because he had a terrible fight with with Mala, and he stormed out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really weird excuse, and it didn't work because they stuck around. Right. They stuck around a long time. I'm surprised uh, they didn't sit down and forever. ask for like a cup of tea or something. It's, yeah, they were there way too long. And the shopkeeper, <laughs> he distracts one of them with some sort of music video device, another device. But like all, I think what I was thinking when I was talk, talking about all the weird devices, and maybe this is like a subconscious thought that you had to, like why it stuck out so much is because there's so many screens, but every screen has a very weirdly specific purpose yeah and this one it's weirdly specific purpose was only to watch a music video <laughs> very much so and like even being jefferson starship i guess at the time you know it would have been a different thing but i mean it was kind of like sort of animated and, and sort of live action like they kind of combined the two i think but they were just... like they were like rotoscoped um effects over the music yeah. video yeah that would make sense actually Especially really the microphone, because it looked like the microphone was supposed to be a, like a weird pink lightsaber. Yeah, <laughs> like it didn't fit, and not that anything fit. Like the acrobats didn't really fit. The no. you know Diane Carroll didn't really fit. Um, but this didn't. There was nothing about this. Like the song wasn't anything about. I guess it's called "Light on the Sky on Fire," was the the name of the song, but it didn't like. I don't, it didn't relate back to a ton besides saying, okay, light in the sky. I suppose you could say that's like that, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But it it lasted forever. 
that's kind of every like they were uh, yeah every, yes every every little weird vignette with another character that we don't know lasted forever <laughs> and as bad as everything to this point has been there's one that's coming up that's so much worse <laughs> so this music video only distracts the one officer the rest of them are searching the rest of the house and they force the shopkeeper to leave and for some reason in the midst of all of this I, I, I don't know what the cartoon is, but the baby starts watching a cartoon about the rebels, including his father. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like rebel propaganda or like an actual thing that happened, like a recreation of a historical event. I have no idea what it's supposed to be, but the baby is watching this and it's obviously something that only rebels are supposed to be seeing. So... The baby is really dumb. <laughs> okay, according to this, um, it was meant to be an in-universe flashback. Really? So it's supposed, to, yeah. So uh, intended as an in-universe flashback, Luke wears a yellow jacket similar to his outfit at the end of A New Hope. It features Boba Fett, whose appearance uh, was based on footage of an unpainted costume from The Empire Strikes Back. Simplified color scheme for the cartoon was later repeated for Fett's appearance in droids. So, so this is this is supposed to be like a real thing that happened. Apparently, so why didn't they? Why did they make it in animation and not film it? Maybe for time and just money, I suppose. Not no, that I animation. Mean, I mean, like the rebels. Like, oh, I don't know. Like, why does it look like this? <laughs> Like uh, I want an in, I want a canon answer to why this this is this <laughs> ugly animation. It is, and it's just the way it moves is so strange. And Han looks like a horseman. He does, <laughs> and when he's like got his hand on his head and he's just talking, like nothing moves right. I mean, three P no. or um or um R two D two like everything like his his um he's like made of rubber. Yeah, it's it's nuts. <laughs> Like, even the voice work, like, and, and again, we talked about this, but God, Harrison Ford just, he ain't having any of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, he's not having a great time. <laughs> he had to be, like, basically prodded into doing this, it looks like. Well, at least he's unconscious for most of the cartoons, so he didn't <laughs> have to do a whole lot of voice acting. Yeah, exactly. The, um, it was actually called, uh, the title of it was actually The Faithful Wookiee. The story of the faithful Wookiee. Okay. <laughs> I think I knew that. It sounds familiar. They put they put the cartoon on Disney Plus. They probably called it that for Disney Plus. That's probably why I know the name. Yeah, they didn't. They wouldn't want to call it the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> <laughs> no, they only cut out the cartoon. The special is nowhere to be found on there. No, I wouldn't be surprised. That's why they. That's probably why they came up with the Lego Holiday Special to replace the, the original. <laughs> Is that like the conspiracy theory of they named Frozen so that when people search for Disney Frozen, they, they won't find any of the Disney Frozen head or whatever the conspiracy theory says? <laughs> would not be surprised. <laughs> they, the, they replaced the Google searches for the holiday special. Now the Lego holiday special shows up <laughs> instead. <laughs> Someone in the background drops an evil laugh. <laughs> This whole thing is just how do you, how do you describe this? I, I know we've talked about that, and we're only halfway through talking about this thing, but 
Well, I guess we should probably talk about the story of the cartoon because there's some weird stuff in this too. Is there? <laughs> the whole thing is weird. Well, yeah. They're, yeah. they're looking for a talisman that apparently makes things invisible, which, okay. I mean, I guess there, there's magical stuff in Star Wars, so I guess that's fine. That just seemed really weird to me. But the talisman apparently makes people sick instead, or maybe both. It does both. I don't know. Probably both. <laughs> and Han and Chewie are in distress because of this thing, so Luke, R2-D2, and C-3PO have to go after them. And Leia's in the beginning, and she has giant eyes. I, she she took the eye space from Han, who has tiny little <laughs> slits for eyes. Well, and Luke goes back and forth between having giant eyes and tiny eyes, depending upon where he's at. <laughs> And then Boba Fett has like a little third eye, like above, like on the above the slit in his helmet. Really, I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, that would answer one of my questions then, because maybe at this point, Boba was not supposed to be a human, because you never see his face, and then this talisman thing supposedly only affects humans. So I was like, well, why isn't Boba Fett? being affected by it so maybe at that point they didn't think he was going to be a human that's possible i mean this was his first introduction there wasn't really anything known about the character okay and this would have been early enough on in production where they may not have they might still have been in the process of animation or of um of writing and whatnot mm-hmm. the the one thing that i do really like about this animated part is the planet that they land on because it's completely unlike anything else you've ever seen in Star Wars. Because it seems it seems like it's made of jello. <laughs> that could have just been But in a cool like way. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's like everything else, you know, in this thing, it's everything's made of jello in, in this cartoon. Yeah. But this is like like everything like the ground and the water, or maybe it's both, I don't know. It's just it's all jiggly and it is it's kind of goofy but i thought it was a really cool idea for a planet that is neat one kind of fun little side thing the sniper rifle that he uses was adapted into the official canon um it's the weapon that uh uh, din jarjin uses in the mandalorian i think i'd read something like that like it would made an appearance in the mandalorian Mm -hmm. yeah i know what you're talking about Another thing that I do like about this planet is that it has, I mean, there, it's dinosaurs. Like, it's just alien dinosaurs. <laughs> Jello and dinosaurs. Always a good combination. Now, the big question is, if they would have had Jello dinosaurs being served, would that have made it better? Would your mind have just been blown? Um, sure. <laughs> I mean, this would have been, like, the perfect thing for me as a kid, because I loved Jello and dinosaurs as a kid. Nice. <laughs> You have a good taste. I like it. <laughs> but this one of the giant dinosaurs, it has like a really goofy face, which is <laughs> ridiculous. But yeah, it starts, everything in this thing has a goofy face. Yeah, but this is like a like specifically a cartoon face. It's not it's True. not like they were trying to make it look serious and ended up goofy. It was like they purposely gave it googly eyes. And just made it look ridiculous. <laughs> and the way it eats, because it starts eating their ship, is just weird and hilarious. Like taking exaggerated munching movements. 
you know you know what this kind of reminds me of just a little bit and i don't know if it was like inspired by the art style or not but did you ever see schoolhouse rock Mm -hmm. like it kind of has like the color maybe it's just a color palette but it has tones of that i feel like it does i didn't think of that but you're right it does seem i mean maybe it's because it's the 70s because i think schoolhouse rock the 70s yeah maybe it's just the aesthetic of the decade who knows yeah i mean rocky or uh rocky and bullwinkle kind of has that same like that same kind of muted color palette too so okay i haven't seen a whole lot of that i watched it some when i was a kid but i don't remember much yeah from what i remember of it it's been years but i mean obviously but i think it does a little bit so eventually this dinosaur is shot by boba fett who's writing another dinosaur thing and he offers to help them and they eventually get to the millennium falcon and chewbacca is like i think he's ejecting the talisman or he's trying to get rid of it yeah he pushes it out into space or something so and luke faints and apparently there's some sort of virus from this talisman that only affects humans and apparently the only way you can treat it is to hang people upside down to let the blood go to their head which is a ridiculous cure Hey, it's outer space. Don't don't knock it until you've tried it. It it gave Han Solo an excuse to not have to talk too much. <laughs> True. And we're all better because of that. <laughs> yeah, because his... I, he has the worst character design of this. I just... I cannot stand his ugly horse face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is... Like there's that because I mean Luke has a pretty decent face and it, but I mean Chewbacca's is definitely simple but it's not like awful by any stretch. It's just odd. It it is a truly, mm-hmm. you know, it is probably the best part of this, but it's also I don't know. It's so strange. That's probably why people like it. It's just it's something mm-hmm. different than like you know random people with cringy um, outfits and and dialogue going on. Mm-hmm eventually they're going into the city to get treatment for this virus boba and chewbacca because they're not affected and then it goes back to the quote-unquote real world where the baby is like freaking out about the cartoon because boba contacts darth vader and like the baby is like right in the same room with the imperial guards and i'm He's not really a baby. I'm just calling him a baby. He's supposed to, I think he's supposed to be somewhere between 8 and 12. Yeah. I'd so he should know better. Say, yeah. <laughs> but have you seen Lumpy? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> he has some issues. Yes. Like the only decent Wookiee outside of Chewie is Mala. Yeah. So his freak out alerts the guard. And he comes over to see what the baby's doing, and he switches it to some kind of a number game with Arabic numerals like we use, not Star Wars numbers. <laughs> I thought it was funny that everything is like normal English in this. Like in Star Wars, even though they talk in basic slash English, they still use, I think it's called Orabesh. They, they use like space numerals like letters that you can't understand unless you have a translator right exactly but they didn't do that in this (laughs) i mean it might have been just a money thing it could have been a like for the audiences they didn't want to like take it too far outside the realm of normality 
I they suppose. wanted it to be familiar. I, I'm guessing just given, I mean, TV now people like you look at subtitles, like mm-hmm. people won't, you know, read subtitles. And I'm sure this to some extent could have been the same. It could have been. Or maybe they look just enough different where you don't think about it. Yeah. Who knows? But anyways, the guard buys his number game excuse and leaves him alone to watch the cartoon. <laughs> well, that's good. Lumpy's got some learning to do. <laughs> but as somehow R2-D2 and C-3PO intercept the transmission between Darth Vader and Boba Fett. So they realize they're in trouble and Chewbacca and Boba are heading back with the serum and they're attacked Chewbacca blows up the ship that's chasing them, and I don't know if the ship chasing them was supposed to be a ruse, like Darth Vader and Boba planning this thing, like, we're going to make it look real good, we're going to send some bad guys after you so that you can escape from them or whatever, but they all die, so it was kind of a dumb plan if that was the case. They, they kind of pull, like, a Marvel um, in the... Uh, in Endgame? No, I'm sorry, in um, Infinity War, where... Um, Everyone kind of turns into sand and blows away. That's kind of what happens with this ship. It just kind of like dissolves on the edges. Yeah, you're kind of right. It does. (laughs) Or it does the jello thing and it gets too hot and just goes. (laughs) It melts. Yes. Everything melts on jello planet. It does. It does. You should make a movie about jello planet, I think. Star Wars should set another movie on jello planet. It should. They totally should. But have it be a serious movie set on Jello World. <laughs> and then somebody has to say the line, everything melts on Jello World. <laughs> but it has to be super like, everything melts on Jello World. <laughs> We're just going to end up making the next Star Wars special, but worse. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. How could we do worse than this? True. Ours, ours will just be ironically bad theirs right, was exactly. trying to be good and ended up bad exactly. ours will be bad on purpose yes but it'll be awesomely bad <laughs> yes. so that'll make it good we gotta get the best guest stars too absolutely i mean we should get harvey corman no wait that won't work we should get the arthur no never mind carol uh, burnett <laughs> she's yeah, still alive <laughs> she could come in as an alien lady with eight heads Yes. Oh, we could get Betty White too. <laughs> every every elderly lady who's still working in Hollywood come in and they're they're each ahead on this one alien. <laughs> and they're all like fighting and bickering and quipping with each other. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I would unironically love this. <laughs> well, get started. <laughs> gotta get this thing into production oh, we better do it soon yeah. betty white may not last much longer okay. don't you dare be slimming on <laughs> betty white <laughs> where were we <laughs> oh, so they get back to the ship and uh oh yeah they're, they're like they give them the serum and they're coming too and you see han's hideous face <laughs> really have a problem with Han's hideous face. I mean, I don't blame you. It's pretty bad, but that's my biggest takeaway. I like the Jello Planet, the dinosaurs, and I hate Han's face. <laughs> and just the the way he comes around, he's like, "Oh, what happened?" And 
like, okay. You were turned into an evil horseman. Yeah, exactly. That was the true power of the talisman. With incredibly tiny eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Oh, man. The next part with, um, was it R2-D2 that figured out that Boba Fett was bad? Yeah. Well, I think both droids figured it out at the same time. But But they tell them. But the fact that 3PO didn't say anything. He just, like, is standing there and then, like, R2 starts going mad and jiggling like Jello, And then everybody asks him what's wrong and, and, and 3PO goes, oh, well, yeah. he doesn't trust, you know, Boba. And it's like, you didn't either. What, why weren't you? Why didn't you tell them that when they came back on board? Maybe he was waiting until the serum had been admi- administered. I suppose. He was waiting for the right dramatic moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then they find out that Chewie had a premonition or had a thought that Boba wasn't good from the start because he just had a bad feeling about him. He smelled bad. Yes. That's the joke. The running joke. (laughs) Yeah. The end. Yes. Of that part. And only that part. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So back in the real world, the Imperial forces are trashing the house, tearing things apart ripping off stuffed animals heads but only upstairs right. only in the, the kids room because they go downstairs and everything is pristine and the one guy tells the baby go clean up your room <laughs> now, now <laughs> which is so it's... stupidly evil <laughs> oh well what it is later is pretty stupidly evil too the one thing that kills me okay so you got the, the head guy and then you got maybe two or three stormtroopers is that what they did in every single house on Kashyyyk? <laughs> or was it just this house because they were feeling extra vengeful? Yeah, I don't know. I think they just hated the baby and wanted to ruin his life. <laughs> See, I would have been all about hating on the grandpa. <laughs> Smash wow. his hair dryer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no more hair dryer uh, VR unit for you. <laughs> the, it was... A, I mean, kind of unironically tragic because you did feel bad for the kid because he goes upstairs and he's like crying over the stuffed bantha. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I'm feeling sorry for this lumpy baby. (laughs) And a lumpy bantha. Uh, Yeah. So he starts cleaning up his room, but then he gets distracted with this thing, which you find out is a transmitter. Or a translator, something. Trans something or another. It, Some I kind think of it's trans both. machine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes with an instructional cassette <laughs> fe- featuring <laughs> Harvey Corman again. He's he's everywhere in this. Oh, he is. He makes he's like three different three three people because he's At the least. cook, the the instructional person, and then the guy with the volcano head. Yeah. He's he's almost a main character except he's three characters. Yeah, maybe he's Darth Vader as well. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. True. I mean, he is a man of several faces. Not quite a thousand, but you know. At least 3. Maybe like 152. <laughs> Anyways, his character here is some kind of malfunctioning robot telling him how to put this transmitter thing together. And it took forever and was so annoying. Yeah, this is the one part, I mean, the rest of it is what it is, but 
this particular part i do not get like i know they're trying to make a joke about technology fading but it just it stays up for it overstays its welcome by about two and a half minutes it overstayed its welcome <laughs> the, the second the robot started malfunctioning <laughs> true and then there was even the weird disclaimer at the start what was it i don't remember it was something like you know this particular thing mal is known for its mouth the fact oh, that it malfunctions right. often but it's still good quality we swear it yeah that was weird <laughs> very strange and i'm sure it was probably like oh hey 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 and that's funny you know technology falls apart yucca yucca but I don't know. It just didn't. And companies will try and sell a defect as a as a quality that you should love. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was. It was. And I'm, again, they they were going for humor. It kind of felt like an Art Carney bit, but like one that he would have rejected. <laughs> Maybe it was. Very possibly. <laughs> so he's working on this thing, and you go back downstairs, and one of their many many TVs lights up. And I didn't really understand what exactly was going on here because there's some sort of message about this thing is required viewing for all Imperial forces. And it talks like it's some sort of documentary about life on Tatooine. And I think they said that it's supposed to make their, make the troops feel better about their lives by comparison. <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly, but I think that was the gist of what they were going for, which it was, was very weird. That, yeah. I, I'm not sure like why it showed up on their, on their TV specifically, unless maybe, I don't know, the troopers were bored. So they popped it on. But no, because it was a, like a live transmission oh, for right. all forces. So right. like, did every TV that was near the Imperial forces just light up and play this thing? I was so confused about the purpose of this, especially when you find out, like, this is not, this isn't like a video. This is live because it says it's live and unedited, but it's very right. obviously edited. Right, right. <laughs> it has clips from all these different places <laughs> around the bar and all the different aliens. And then it's like, it turns into this thing about this B. Arthur character. She's a bartender and she's being mercilessly hit on by the Harvey Corman character, the guy who has like a volcano in his head, but the volcano doesn't explode. He pours drinks into, <laughs> into this is like it was a, a bit from some sort of Saturday Night Live sketch making fun of Star Wars. Very much so. <laughs> Instead well, of an actual with... Star Wars character. <laughs> The other thing with that whole thing was he assumed because B. Arthur as the bartender, I'm trying to think what she said, like, I'll miss you until you come back or, you know, come back again, I'll be here or something along those lines. Like he, he assumed that that was specifically for him, but it's just what she says to everybody as they leave. Yeah, I think that that whole thing was supposed to be a riff on guys who actually think that way. True. Because <laughs> like. I've heard stories of like guys thinking that just a, a passing remark is some sort of grand romantic gesture. True. But this was just setting, taking that and putting it on an alien planet. And if it's going to happen someplace, it's going to happen on Tatooine. <laughs> this still begs the question of like, why is this required viewing for all the Imperial forces? <laughs> uh, maybe they're part of the Lonely Hearts Club too. <sighs> I don't know, but this is, <laughs> 
it's supposed to be live, so I'm. It's just one of those things I'm endlessly confused by. That's his whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but she like eventually she like shoots him down far too nicely in my opinion, especially after he went behind the bar and grabbed her. Yeah. She ends up pouring a ton of liquid into his head hole and <laughs> he puts up his hood and is like all disappointed and sad. And then there's an emergency order from the Empire saying that Tatooine is on lockdown. All inhabitants have to go back to their homes. But for some reason, this message is airing on Kashyyyk or Gazook or whatever the planet is called at this point. It's, it's being seen by the Wookiees and the troops in the Wookiees' home, which, I mean, could be a byproduct of the fact that it's being aired on Tatooine and they're supposed to be watching this thing take place i don't know i'm so confused i think that's probably what it is it's like when you see like a like when you see a tv show and there's something on the tv you know even whatever it is if it's a weather warning or whatever it's meant for the people on the tv not for you yeah it's kind of a secondhand viewing that's how i I took it yeah anyways part of this this part anyways you're watching with the wookies and the stormtroopers but then it goes back to the bar I thought it was over because it went back to their home. But no, it's not over. It's not over by a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to the bar and she's trying to get everybody out. Nobody's leaving. She ends up promising everybody one more round. And then it turns into a musical for some reason. <laughs> because she's I... just singing randomly. <laughs> I actually didn't mind that part. I thought I thought it was kind of cool. Just it, was, that whole... it was fine. It was just bizarre. <laughs> Yes, it was very bizarre. It's like that uh, one last drink before we go type of yeah. song. So, in, in any other movie, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. But just, I mean, this is the Star Wars holiday special, so I guess it fits right in. But if it was just like Star Wars proper, this is like, what? <laughs> well, if Star Wars characters in general broke into song randomly, I, that would be kind of weird to start with. So. <laughs> And and up until this point, I think that B. Arthur's character would make a good Star Wars character. Like, beyond the weird aliens hitting on her and everything else, just like her basic character as this bartender just trying to get by, I think she's a great character. And I think she would have made for a good Star Wars character, like in a show like The Mandalorian. Because you get that one lady in that one episode who loves Grogu. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy Sedaris plays her. I love her. She's just a weird <laughs> side character who has just a specific job on Tatooine. I love the idea. She's it's memorable. Just, yes. But in this, it's just, it's weird because it turns into a musical. <laughs> yeah, it was not not the first um, thing you would have expected to happen. Fun no. fact about that, though, the big bouncer guy at the end mm-hmm. was also Mala. He really? seems like Yeah. <laughs> oh wow okay (laughs) i was also thinking too with this whole thing if if this is happening live like i'm pretty sure they said it was live Mm -hmm. and tatooine is supposed to be on lockdown and all of these people are blatantly defying the orders refusing to leave and even pointing a gun at her until she gives them a drink why isn't the Empire coming in and arresting all these people? Because they're enforcing this mandatory lockdown. They're just letting them get away with this. 
uh, because they were enjoying the sing- their B. Arthur singing. <laughs> sure. That makes about as much sense as anything else in this. <laughs> That's all most I got. Of, most of this, I'm obviously overthinking, but I'm doing it it's on okay. purpose because this whole thing is ridiculous. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Eventually, she does get everyone to leave, except she goes back to her bar and the volcano head guy pops out with flowers. And I don't know if they were supposed to insinuate that this is a romantic ending or what, but I'm like, I would have tossed him out a window. (laughs) (laughs) They they didn't have any windows, though. Drag him to the door and throw him out. (laughs) Get the bouncer to to toss his ass out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just gets weirder and weirder. Just like, well, what's next? (laughs) It's never what you think. Well, what's next is you go back to the Wookiee's house and there's an alarm saying that they need to return to base. But apparently it's the kid upstairs with his little transmitter machine making them think they have to leave. Except they leave one stormtrooper behind who is supposed to wait for Chewbacca. So they're all gone. The one's left. And then Chewbacca and Han Solo do come home just then. But the stormtrooper, like, runs out, and then they toss him over the edge of the treehouse. Presumably to his death. Yeah. Well, one thing, too, the stormtrooper goes up and sees that um, Lumpy has... uh, Oh, that's right, yeah. uh, The only reason I bring this up is because I think it's probably my favorite, like, unintentionally funny section of the entire thing. So, um, like, the stormtrooper smashes the translator, the transmitter thing... And then Lumpy and him, like, run down the stairs. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out who was, like, in more danger of falling on their face. Poor Lumpy, you know, looking through a mask and holes that are just eye-sized, you know, and all the fur and stuff. Or a stormtrooper that can't see anything. Yeah, really. Especially because I don't think those stairs had handrails, did they? Oh, no. No, definitely. <laughs> no, they didn't. So, like they They yeah. came down at a, speci- a, very, a very, very, very safe speed. <laughs> yeah so i guess they go outside because he was being chased and that's when han solo and chewbacca come back and toss the guy over the railing so he's dead why did they think did they not think that anyone would come investigate this i mean the shopkeeper shows up like a deus ex machina and like gets them out of it ridiculously (laughs) they basically pull a a second version of the uh the, the prison part where they're trying to save Leia. Basically. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what it seemed like to me. Like kind the of. shopkeeper gets on the horn and says, Oh, well, uh, he appeared at this house and he robbed uh, the Wookiee family of a bunch of food and he robbed me of several goods. And then he took off into the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that I found the weirdest though, is like Han. I mean, we could just chalk this up to, Harrison Ford not wanting to be there, but he didn't seem at all worried that this was going to cause any problem for the Chewbacca family. <laughs> like, if it were oh, me, I would be like, pack your bags. We are leaving now. They are going to be on this place in seconds. We just murdered this guy. We got to get out of here. <laughs> but leave Grandpa behind. We don't have to worry about him. <laughs> leave him holding the Stormtrooper helmet. <laughs> frame grandpa (laughs) in this case most of the time i would say that'd be bad but in this case i am 100 okay with that 
Uh, yeah. So Han is gone. The shopkeeper comes in, makes excuses, and the Empire, for some reason, completely believes him. <laughs> it's like he had the thinnest, flimsiest excuse, and they just totally bought it. Well, I mean, have you seen Stormtrooper Aim? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so the shopkeeper wishes them all a happy life day, and then he leaves as well. And then I don't, the rest of this, I have zero idea what's happening. <laughs> They all go over to the bookshelf and get these little orb thingies with, like, light-up wire rings inside. They, like, hold them together and then lift them in the air. And I thought this was supposed to be, like, some sort of symbolic gesture for Life Day. But then they're all floating in outer space. (laughs) They're wearing red robes. They're all holding their little orb thingies. And then there's, like... A flowing line of Wookiees walking through space into a sun. And then it's like the sun is almost exploding. And then they're all in a cave for some reason. And then R2-D2 and C-3PO are there. Like, why? Like, if they've just transported themselves to a Wookiee magical cave with their life day devices, how did R2-D2 C-3PO get there? And then, like, they're wishing everybody happy life day, and then they say that they wish they were more than mechanical beings, so they could share in these feelings with them. And then suddenly, Luke, Leia, and Han are all there, and I'm like, what is happening? And then Han is very woodenly tells them they all mean a lot to him. And then Leia gives some kind of a speech about how this day belongs to the Wookiees, but they 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 share in the hope that they'll work to, together to defeat evil or something. And then she sings a whole song about it. <laughs> and as much as I'm making fun of it, this is my favorite part of the whole thing. <laughs> It is, it is the most consistent part. You know, it's not broken up by, you know, Jefferson Starship or, um, you know, weird acrobats or, you know, like horse face people. <laughs> it's so bizarre, but there's just something about it that it feels so alien. It feels like an actual alien ritual that I kind of love it, even though That's I have awesome. no idea what's going on. That's awesome. That's amazing. That I mean, if you can pull something good from it, that's incredible. I, I would assume that like the, the little orbs, it's like bringing together people across the galaxy, like bringing everybody together, regardless of where you are. Like those Probably. feelings of love you have for other people. Yeah. But like, do they literally transport across the galaxy, through space, into a star that's somehow also a cave. <laughs> My assumption is you're there in spirit. Okay. And how R2-D2 and C-3PO got there, my assumption is with that, that they're close to Chewie's heart. And so by some miracle of the force or something, they are able to be there too. It could just be fancy editing. <laughs> That makes more sense. I like your explanation. Because there's, like, 
in Star Wars Rebels, there's some weird trans-dimensional stuff in some episodes. This makes about as much sense as some of that. So we'll go with that. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> oh, I forgot one thing uh, back from the uh, when the stormtrooper um, goes over the edge and, and falls to his death. He does a Willem scream. Yes, I should have mentioned that. But yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> the very obvious, not even trying to hide it. It's a Willem scream. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, no, that is that is one of those things that has become one of the things that Star Wars is known to have. So. <laughs> That's true. I'm glad that you found some kind of enjoyability in this beyond just the sheer and utter weirdness. <laughs> the whole th- the whole entire movie was weird, but this is weird in a different way that actually felt like it had some sort of meaning, even if I didn't understand it. <laughs> and I liked that about it. Nice. But then after Leia's song, there's this montage of scenes from the movie, and I think from the special too, like it just a montage of Star Wars scenes, mm-hmm. but it's over Chewbacca's head, so I think it's supposed to be him remembering all these things. Yeah, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. And then they're all back home, and like if you, if you're right about them being there in spirit, then maybe they never left home. So they're all around the dinner table, all their orbs are in the middle, and they all hold hands and bow their heads like they're praying, and then that's the end. I'm I'm guessing that's probably like they were there at the table the entire time, but then spiritually they were elsewhere. I think you're probably right. I didn't get that while it was happening, but I think you're probably right. I did find one thing here that that might explain something. So the guy that helped write the special, Bruce Valanche, admitted he was using cocaine heavily. Oh no! During this time. <laughs> so maybe this thing that I thought was this deep, meaningful no, thing. No, no, no. I, I mean understand. the entire special, not specifically this part. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes sense for the whole special. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so now you see why this is famous and infamous. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Lucas tried to buy up, like, so there's the master copies that were put on by all the broadcast stations. Mm-hmm. He attempted to buy them all back. And this thing aired all over the place. Canada and Australia and the States and uh, New Zealand and kind of all over the place. So, but it only aired once. I can see why. Yes. <laughs> it's also the only Star Wars movie prior to the official sequel trilogy that didn't have a George Lucas director's cut or special edition. <laughs> Which again, understandable. I kind of wish that he would have taken it and done some sort of a cut that made it make more sense. I'm not sure that's possible though with this. Really, you're right. I mean, you're right. It's just, true. just generally, even removing some of the spe- or some of the like the acts or you know moving them around, there's no way. I don't think there's any way to do that. No, you're right. And if you take out all the weird skits and music numbers and music videos and cartoons what you're left with is a very boring story <laughs> yeah like we said the whole the whole like after the the stormtroopers show up like it's okay for a little bit but then it kind of gets stuck in that like second act rut and it mm. never really gets out of that like the last 10 minutes yeah oh well <laughs> <laughs> 
So what are, what are your thoughts on this having watched it? I will probably never watch this again in its entirety, but I did like that end scene. I might watch that again. <laughs> Make it a Christmas, uh, normal Christmas thing? Probably not. <laughs> I could lie and say yes, but I don't think so. No, I that's mean, okay. I'll probably watch it the a couple scenes once in a while if I think about them, but I'm probably going to forget most of this because... A lot of it, when it's not being bizarre, is very forgettable. Yeah, I would agree. Like you said, I forget all the Wookiee stuff. It's the strange acts that stick with you. The Jefferson Starship one is probably the most generally forgettable. That and the the acrobats. Like the cooking segment, (laughs) the (laughs) whole uh, cantina scene um the uh, animated piece obviously the the end bit yeah i don't know it's it's just it's such a weird experience very like as a star wars fan i don't know if it's enriching to know this exists or if it's you know awful (laughs) to know it exists like i love the fact that it exists because it is so strange and it goes to show you that weird stuff does make it yeah i'm i'm glad it exists but I'm also glad that it's not canon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I think that's probably going to be it for now. (laughs) True, true, very true. Well, it's been a pleasure as always. Yes. Great way to start off the Christmas season. Oh, yes. Perfect intro to the holidays. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Do you want to let people know where they can find you? Oh, you can find me not on the planet of Kazook or Kashyyyk. <laughs> uh, I am not in a <laughs> treehouse that also doubles as a theater. <laughs> um, you, can, <laughs> you can find me on YouTube at Trivial Theater. Um, and that's Trivial Theater with an E-R, not an R-E, because I am not that fancy and I want to try and avoid Itchy tracking me down. <laughs> um, you can also find me on Twitter at Trivia underscore Chick. Okay, I'll have that linked below and until next time when maybe we'll watch the other star wars holiday special that i forgot existed but (laughs) now i kind of want to watch it just to see what it's like oh it's supposed to be so cute like it's genuinely supposed to be pretty funny okay well we should do that then that'd be awesome to watch something decent with you for once (laughs) not even sure how to take that (laughs) okay well until next time Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. (laughs) Happy Life Day. (laughs) Happy Life Day. Oh, yeah, that's right. Happy Life Day. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this special Christmas episode of the podcast. If you like what you've heard, then don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. And, of course, make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. And we'll see you soon for another brand new episode of the show. Thanks for listening, and Merry Christmas!